Once safely home, the idea continued to grow of returning to the place where they had spent that chilly night until one day they finally decided to embark on their adventure. For the first few months, they lived in a cave carved out of an enormous rock and worked at clearing the mountainous woodland with nothing more than a couple of axes and the strength of their dream. And again, the picture of the cave is compliments of Professor Twining. Many were the times they were plagued with doubts that they were not doing the right thing. Time went on, and now with other men who had joined their exploit, they decided to bring in their families and establish themselves permanently in the valley, founding the town that is now called San Gerardo de Dota. Those first years lacked every basic comfort, and access was only possible on foot or horseback. One of the sons told us that they lived there for the first 25 years in this valley with their families without electricity. Back then, the families supported themselves through agriculture and selling cheese off the farm. That was all they knew to do. Tourism started thanks to Don Ephraim introducing a few trout into the river. The trout adapted perfectly and began to breed rapidly, and news began to spread very rapidly. The fishing fraternity began to come to the Sevegra River and um, arriving in this area. However, the difficult access meant it was often impossible to get back to the Central Valley, and they would ask for lodging with the family. So quite often, these visitors actually stayed with Don Ephraim, Doña Caridad, his wife, and their 11 children. So eventually, it was impossible to take care of all the visitors, and they built three little cabins um, who were looked after by the uh, family members. For several years, the only obvious attraction was fishing. But one day in 1986, a group of nature-loving foreigners braved the recently cut road and arrived at Savegra. One of these was Dr. Leo Finkenbinder from Southern Nazarene University, and he told me that it took them at least six hours, if not more, to walk in um, to the area. Now, even today, it takes quite a while um, in a car or a van to get down in um, by the road that is there. They actually went in on a fishing trip. They had heard about the great trout fishing, and that's what they were there for. When they arrived, they were awestruck by the vegetation and the number of bird species, but mostly they were amazed at the abundant number of quetzals that populated the region. And again, thanks to Prof Twining for this great picture of the quetzal. Um, I saw a couple of birds flying, and you get a little bit of the color, but never saw one um, as closely as the picture that, that you see here. The next day after arriving, Dr. Fickenbinder and the others were interacting with the Chacon family as the family went about their daily work. The family was busy cutting down trees to convert the forest to pasture land to raise cattle because that was the only way they knew to provide a livelihood for their family. They had absolutely no idea that cutting down these trees was destroying the very cloud forest that they loved so much. As Dr. Finkenbinder observed, they were preparing a large oak tree to be cut. After a while, he could stand it no longer, and he went up to him, and he very simply and very quietly asked a very simple question. Would you consider leaving this tree for another day? Now, he didn't go into this long biological lecture on the ecosystem about what they were doing to the ecosystem. He just said... Would you consider 
leaving this tree for another day. And I heard Don Ephraim say in some of the meetings that we had while I was there that the next day he went to Dr. Finkenbinder and he said, we're going to leave that tree for another day. One simple question. And thus began the wonderful partnership and relationship between Dr. Leo Finkenbinder, Southern Nazarene University, the Chacon family, and the beautiful Savegra Valley in Costa Rica. One moment, one question, one man who very likely changed the trajectory of the cloud forest in the Savegra Valley in Costa Rica. You see, if he had not asked that one question and not asked it in a way that it was received well, they would have just continued doing what they knew to do cutting down the trees and bringing in cattle, which would have continued to destroy the cloud forest. But one man, a biologist in a very gentle manner, began a relationship with not only a family, but a cloud forest. And a great privilege is to be able to go on a few little short trips with um, Dr. Finkenbinder there in the cloud forest where he has spent so much time. He didn't just ask them to stop cutting down the trees. I mean, obviously, he needed them to stop cutting down the trees. He helped them find a type of apple from Israel that would grow in that climate. He helped them plant trees um, that are similar to avocado trees liked by the Quetzals that would attract even more of the Quetzals and has helped restore their habitat there. Since 1986, he has focused on the ecological analysis of the resplendent Quetzal in his personal research. This bird, if you look it up um, on Google, is a god of Mayan and Aztec cultures. It's one of the most culturally significant modern animals and is highly endangered. Now, it just so happens that all of these factors have not only saved the cloud forest and helped restore the habitat for the Quetzal, but have also provided a wonderful setting for biological and ecological research and for ecotourism. A wonderful example of sustaining the environment while providing jobs and a way for many individuals to enjoy one of God's beautiful creations, the cloud forest. One little boy who was willing to give his sack lunch to Jesus, who felt compassion for the people and was able to give thanks for this lunch and feed 5,000. One professor who, with compassion, asked one question and then worked alongside the Chacon family to save the cloud forest. And the analogy of the one decision at a time could go on for much of the day. I could keep going on about one decision that led to another decision. One young man who made the decision to go to college to study biology. One decision at a time to study and prepare. One decision to go to graduate school. If Dr. Finkenbinder had not made these series of one decisions at a time over the years, he would not have been prepared with the knowledge of the ecosystem in the cloud forest. And it very likely would have been simply a fun fishing trip that day in the Savegra Valley. I wish you could have been with me as the Quirk Center was dedicated that day to Don Ephraim and Doña Caridad Chacon, to hear the stories from him, his sons, his grandsons and granddaughters, as well as from Dr. Leo, and to see the love and respect flowing freely among all of them and the people in that valley was a great privilege. 
What might the story be today if Leo Finkenbinder had not asked that one question? Would you consider leaving that tree for another day? And what might have happened if instead of asking that one question in a simple way, he had launched into a lecture? Probably wouldn't have had the same impact. What one question might you ask? What is your sack lunch that you might be willing to give? One, what one act of kindness or word of encouragement might you be willing to give today that might change someone's day and maybe even their life? It always begins with one person being willing to say yes to an opportunity as it's presented. There is great power in one, and great things almost always begin with one person making one decision, taking one action, giving one word of encouragement. Over these last few weeks, one of ENC's professors has been given an opportunity to make one of these decisions. In this case, it's not a simple word, question, or action, but rather a willingness to say yes and offer up her sack lunch that probably is more like a well-prepared and packed backpack um, in order to give her expertise. Undoubtedly, you've heard the news over the summer months of the thousands of unaccompanied minors who have entered the U.S., Nazarene News Service reported last Friday about Roberto, not his real name, who is a 15-year-old who fled his El Salvador hometown after local gang members gave him two clear-cut options. One, join our gang, or two, die. Now, most of us have no idea what that is like. Those were his two options, join our gang or die. So what did he do? His journey to the U.S. through Mexico took five long weeks, and upon arrival, he found himself in a detention center overwhelmed by other unaccompanied minors. The number of these minors, primarily from Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, has increased nearly 50% in less than a year. Nazarene Compassionate Ministries hopes to address the root causes by establishing at least 10 new child development centers in these three countries. You see, we can't just say don't come, and we can't just take care of the ones that are here. We have to look much more carefully at what do you do to take care of individuals like Roberto at home. The CDCs will address issues that send children over the border, such as extreme poverty, neglect, and exploitation. In the U.S., five Nazarene churches and camps in Texas, Florida, and New York are creating Centros de Refugio, or Centers of Refuge, to provide shelter, food, protection, and spiritual care to unaccompanied minors ages 13 to 17. Across these five sites, 145 youth can receive shelter at any time with an expected 2,175 youth to gain temporary refuge over the course of 18 months. Now, 2,175 is a pretty small number when you look at the total, but when you look at those 2,000 lives, it's a huge impact, and we do what we can. This is the time to say, we're the church, and we are going to be hospitable, said Gabriel Salguero, who serves as both co-pastor of the Lambs Church of the Nazarene in New York City and president of National Latino Evangelical Coalition. Many of you know Gabriel from his visits to ENC, and he will be with us again for chapel and the day on October 10th, so you'll want to make sure that you're here for that. 
As the opportunities have developed for the Metro New York District of the Church of the Nazarene to host one to two of these centers of refuge, two of our ENC individuals have been intricately involved. Paul Bowen, adjunct professor, has assisted with the grant applications and details to make this possible. He will be traveling back and forth this year between ENC and New York. As the plan began to come together over these last weeks, they asked Dr. Stacy Parker Barker to serve as lead clinician. She will take a leave of absence this year from ENC for supervision of the clinical team, all reporting, mental health assessment, including trauma and short-term individual and group counseling. The center where she will be serving will provide holistic care of females aged 13 to 27 while waiting release to sponsors of up to 45 days. Now, this is not a very convenient decision for Dr. Barker, certainly not for her family, and not particularly for ENC. Many individuals across the department and across campus have stepped up to assist to make it possible for Stacy to serve in this capacity, and a sense for Stacy to go and represent those of us who cannot go at this point in time. It's not really a matter at this point in time of what your opinion is of immigration or how that should be handled. It's really not the topic today. Dr. David Busick, General Superintendent of the Church of the Nazarene, says, We will open our hearts to anyone who is in need. The Father of the fatherless urges us. He compels us to respond to these children with care and compassion. When I asked Dr. Barker for a personal statement, this is what she wrote. No one person can change the world. It's easy to feel overwhelmed with the breadth and depth of our social challenges. That can be paralyzing. I believe God calls each of us to be faithful to making an impact when we can in our small corner of the world. This means keeping both your eyes and your heart open to opportunities as they arise and not being afraid to step out in faith and say, if this is an opportunity in which God wants to use me, I'm willing. Now, our colleagues in the department quickly stepped up to say, how can I help? Professor Ashley Clark agreed to step in as visiting professor this year to cover many of the courses. This is probably not the ideal time frame for Dr. Barker. Her family, for ENC, or even for some of you who are looking forward to your classes this year. But then, it is certainly not a convenient time for Roberto and the thousands he represents to be faced with a question such as join a gang or die. We can't all take a leave of absence and go, and we're not all asked to do that. We wouldn't be here today if we all just picked up and left to go and help. But each of us is asked to be faithful in the little decisions on a daily basis. One of the things I would point out in these two stories is that the reason both Dr. Leo Finkenbinder and Dr. Stacy Barker were available to ask or answer these questions is due to their faithful academic preparation, study, expertise, and experience. These years at ENC are not merely a time of waiting for real life to begin. They are a privileged time of preparation academically, spiritually, and socially, so that when those big questions come, you will have routinely made those decisions one at a time that will put you in a place to respond. 
Now, I'm not at all saying that the significant decisions are for later. What I am saying is that every decision you make today leads to the type of future you're building for yourself and the possible contributions you will be able to make. Dr. Barker didn't have time to spend months in prayer and discernment to decide if she cared or if she would be willing to set personal things aside and help in a crisis situation. She has made spiritual and academic investments through the years so that she and her family live their life in such a way as to say, Lord, if you open a door where my skills are needed and I can say yes, my heart is willing. Unless you have watered that seed and prepared your heart when the opportunities come, you will not be ready. Helen Keller said, I long to accomplish great and noble tasks, but it is my chief duty to accomplish small tasks as if they were great and noble. And that is where it begins for each of us today. Determining each day with a willingness to accomplish each task as if it is great and noble and to dedicate each day, each moment, each decision to the Lord. As we close today, would you commit to pray for Dr. Barker, for Professor Paul Bowen, and for each of these young ladies who will come through this center? Will you commit to finding ways through various ministries available here on campus and in the community to showing compassion and serving, even if it is just one act at a time amidst a busy schedule? Would you commit to giving a kind word to someone today who may be discouraged or maybe even someone who has said an unkind word to you? Who knows what they may be dealing with and your kind word may be just what they needed. One act, one at a time. Would you commit to diligent study one hour at a time? One class session at a time, actually showing up for class, preparing before you come to class. One assignment at a time. So that when the bigger opportunities come down the road, you will develop the skills necessary to ask that one question, such as Dr. Finkenbinder, would you consider leaving that tree for another day? Or you will be able to say, yes, I will go and utilize my skills for the least of these, my brothers and sisters. Think about this. What is your sack lunch today? And are you willing to release it so that the Lord can utilize your gifts in the life of someone else? It begins with you, and you have the power today to make a difference. So will you begin today to pay attention to the little things that can be given to the Lord for him to bless and magnify in the lives of others? One sack lunch released to Jesus by a little boy, not knowing whether or not he would be fed, was able to feed 5,000 with 12 baskets left over. So what is your sack lunch today, and what will you do with it? What small decision might the Lord be asking of you as you begin this new year? Think about this as we sing the closing hymn together. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we would ask that you would help all of us in this room to recognize that we are responsible to develop and use the talents that you've placed within us. Give us wisdom on the best way to go about this. 
As we begin this new year, lift us up on wings of eagles, guide our way, and help us soar. We will be careful to give you the praise, for it's you, the person whom we love. You are dismissed.